episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike, in a moment. More Oscars nomination fallout from us today in this Oscar Race Checkpoint episode as we are lucky enough to be joined by someone we have truly looked up to and been inspired by for quite some time, Michael. Yes, Adnan Verk joins the show today. He is the host of Cinephile, the Adnan Verk movie podcast, at CinephilePod on Twitter. And you should also subscribe to Cinephile on Apple Podcasts. A-S-A-F-P, guys. Mm-hmm. It is one of our go-to listens every single week. And uh, we used his uh, opening on his last episode, his Oscar Monday morning nomination special there to kind of launch us into all this uh, great Oscar nom fallout talk that we had with him today. Yeah, and we're also going to pick his brain about the entertainment industry at large because, honest to God, nobody has more radio and TV jobs (laughs) than Adnan Verk does. Uh, Mike and I have followed his coverage of the sports and entertainment worlds for years, and how's this for a resume? He's currently hosting the MLB Network show on Sirius XM Radio. He's all over the zone. Uh, which is obviously the Fight Network channel, and the, he's all, you can see him on the NHL Network. And if that doesn't make him the most prolific man in broadcasting, he's also the co-host of the GM Shuffle podcast with Mike Lombardi. Mike, you and I can't do one podcast, <laughs> never mind two with a litany of other media jobs. And both his podcasts are just absolute must listens every week they're addictive stuff yeah i, I can't yeah I, i'm dying for his latest i haven't seen it yet today the latest on nfl free agency with lombardi there uh, i gotta have that one soon otherwise we may be i wish dave gettleman type. would tune into their podcast we may be bugging him far more now than... <laughs> <laughs> no I, look guys i mean if you need further proof on why we're such big fans of mr burke there he talks to sopranos as much on cinephile as he does on the gm shuffle <laughs> as much on his his entertainment show as he does on his football show so i mean that, that's what i'm referring to here but this guy is uh is one of our favorites for a reason i mean he's 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 doing great work week in week out year in year out uh for for the last 20 something years mike yeah and put, put a cherry on top of all that he's also an, an honest to god Emmy winner uh, for his coverage of the Oscars All Access uh, and his coverage of Moonlight's 89th Academy Awards, the victory there. So, yes, we will be asking him all kinds of industry questions as well as those pertaining to this year's specific set of Oscar nominations. On the other side of this, outside of the Adnan interview, Mike and I are going to come back and kind of tie up some loose ends and talk about some other stuff that we have not yet gotten to and touched on for this slate of Oscar nominations. So it's all Oscar nom fallout. We are lucky enough to be joined by the amazing and prolific Adnan Verk. We will see you guys on the other side. All right, on the line right now is Adnan Verk. Adnan, thank you so much for joining us here today. 
Mike and Mike, thanks so much. First off, thank you for doing this interview before you record your intros and your extras. I have done podcasts where they actually do my intro, and like there's incorrect information they give, or it's not nearly flattering enough to my liking. Like, I, I, I think it should be a little more sycophantic, please. So I don't even know what you guys are going to say before and after, but that's a good hook. That's a good reason why I will at least listen to this podcast. I'm not going to listen to any of this, to be clear. I am going to listen to the intro and the extra after we're done. Well, I think uh, Mike and I were talking about the Big Lebowski before the show today, and we were like, the Bums actually won because we are in sweatpants, and we are interviewing one of our favorite movie podcasters today in sweatpants. Probably sweatpants that we've worn for like all week. So uh, listen, man, thank you. We really appreciate this. And I think your show, Cinephile Pod, shared a lot of the celebration that we had with these Oscar nominations, and that has not been every Oscar nom Monday for us. So that's that's one part of it how the academy got things right but i'm i think i'm i'm trying to ask you the tougher question here because i'm wondering why they got things right why did they do so well is it the new membership is it that the fact that this new membership sided with the critics is it that they all watched more movies this year is it that they're just not the hfpa why do you think we're so happy with these noms well, first of all, I completely agree, Mike. I, I can't remember a, a, a recent time where I was more excited about the Oscar nominations because you're right. Every year, I want to throw my head through a wall because I'm angry about this one was ignored, <laughs> this movie was ignored. And this year, I was exulting. I was pumping my fist. I mean, uh, the nominations that I knew were going to happen, I was thrilled with. Riz Ahmed for Best Actor, for example. Mm-hmm. Um Minari for Best Picture. But what I got excited was, hey, Sentimental Best Picture did not see coming. That happens. Uh, Best Original Screenplay, that happens. I'm elated. Paul Racy, as we all know, Dark Horse shot. I thought probably not going to get in. Did not get a Golden Globe or a SAG nod. He does get a supporting actor nod. So I'm going nuts. With Minari, I knew it was going to get Best Picture. I figured, you know, some other categories, but I wasn't 100% sure. Best Director, Lee Isaac Chung, I'm thrilled. Best Actor, Steven Yeun, I'm even more excited. So... I agree with you. I, I've never been this excited. There's a couple I'm pissed off by, which we all know there's always a couple. You can't be totally happy. The Glenn Close Hillbilly Elegy is going to go down as one of the worst yeah. nominations ever. <laughs> God forbid, guys, if she actually wins, which the three of us know could happen, it's her eighth nomination, sentimentality. That would be easily one of the worst Oscar wins ever. So let's hope that doesn't happen. All due respect to Glenn Close, I'm sure is a lovely lady, but Hillbilly Elegy is a bad movie and it's a bad performance. This isn't one of those like, oh, good performance in a bad movie. You know, everything about this movie is bad. So mm. I'm still annoyed about that. But, but your overarching point, listen, nine of 20 acting nominees are people of color. And immediately I see people thrown out on Twitter. Well, are they doing that just as a make good, like for the years of racism, or is this actually deserved? And I would say it's deserved. In fact, it should have been 10 out of 20. I think Delroy Lindo, uh, the three of us would agree, was a big snub there for Defy Bloods. But I think what's happened is the points you touched on. One, new membership, okay? Younger, more diverse. Um, Still a lot of the old fogies, because Mank obviously led with 10 nominations. (laughs) So clearly the millennials are not running this thing just yet. And for the record, I like Mank, but it's it's definitely to that older academy as we know. <laughs> but I think that new membership came in and said, listen, we got to change stuff up here, okay? And maybe the streaming services helped because there's only one major studio uh, movie nominated, as we know, with Judas and the Black Messiah from Warner mm-hmm. Brothers, which then went to HBO Max. So I think what happened is these streaming services, which will take more chances, have more diversity, not only in front of the camera, but behind the camera, uh, I think that they were rewarded this year. I mean, even Judas and the Black Messiah, that's the studio film, and yet that's the first movie ever all-black producing team, which is amazing. 
Um, there's even like trivia, which is different. Like first time, all five original screenplay nominees are all up for best picture. So that's kind of interesting. So I think the new membership has definitely made a real impact. And I think it's a great thing. And I, I'm glad that you guys agree with me. This was a day we were actually uh, clapping and applauding rather than being angry. Yeah, we are big, huge fans here of Judas and the Black Messiah of Menara, and we like you. I mean, the Glenn Close, <laughs> Hillbilly Elegy in, in total, we don't understand at all. There's no way, there's no way the Academy double dips, though, and goes Coleman over Glenn Close again. That's not going to happen, right? No, that's not happening. I, I haven't looked yet, guys, at goldderby.com, where I used to do my predictions, and those guys mm-hmm. are great, so I always really trust what their expertise is. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, I went 21 to 24, which is the best I've ever done, although I'll be honest, it should be graded on a curve because the three that I missed on were three of the biggest ones. One, I think, was sound mixing or sound editing. I missed on picture, which ended up being Parasite. Mm-hmm. And I think I missed on director because I went with Mendy's. So 21 to 24 is the best I've ever done. But I think if you weighted them out, I missed on picture and director, which are pretty big. So what ends up happening is this. I go to Gold Derby and I say, OK, where is this going? I feel like I haven't even looked yet. I'm being honest. I feel like Bakalova should be the favorite because she did win the Golden Globe. I think the Academy likes a young ingenue, right? Marissa Tomei, my cousin Vinny, they love when these actresses come out of nowhere. Supporting actress is always very unpredictable. I don't think it's Coleman, to your point, for the father. She already won. She's good in the father, but not as good as for the favorite. I would love to see. It feels like too much of a reach, but you, Yoon Hun Jung from Minari, mm-hmm. I would I would go bananas, but maybe be too outlandish for this uh, actress to win Korean lady winning for a movie which is going to be beloved by people, but I don't know how many people are seeing that movie. So I'm hoping for either Yoon or Bakalova, but that's where I say to myself, okay, maybe it is going to be end up getting Glenn Close. But it's, it's not going to be Olivia Coleman. I agree with that. It will not be Coleman over Close. Maybe Bakalova. No, you have it pegged. The, the Yoo Jun Yoon and uh, Maria Bakalova, they're one, too, but it, it is inverse. The, the Minari uh, actress has the lead right now, but you know how that moves, and, and Vegas moves, and we've been following Vegas with these as well. But all right, so we have these this slate of movie uh, movies that we're kind of excited about. Here's what I wonder, though. I wonder if these nominated films are playing with general audiences right now. And you're at this, like, nexus, this crossroads between all the sports people, the movie people. I mean, you're following the ratings. You're still, you, I mean, you've been working for mainstream television for years, radio for years. And you, and you, you talk about recommending all these great movies to your friends. Is it a hard sell for you? Is it something where you're trying to push people to get to them to watch these niche indie films? Or do you think their availability on streaming, VOD, etc., being in front of their faces, they're going for it? What do you think people are watching? Are they watching all these movies? I would have thought, it's a great question, I would have thought it's easier. Because everyone always complains to me, you're the last of the Mohicans, you actually still like going to the movies. You know, I've got kids, I've got other issues, I have, I'm bored, I have ADD, I can't keep my phone off. Some ridiculous, asinine reason, which the three of us would completely dispute. But that's generally what I hear. I don't go to the movies anymore. I'm like, okay, well, so this should be the easiest year ever. It's all on streaming. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, I'll tell you. Minari's on Hulu, Nomadland's on Hulu, Netflix's Charlie Chicago 7. Like, you can knock all these out. So I would think that it would be readily available. But when the nominations came out, I had more people saying to me, haven't heard of this, haven't heard of this, haven't mm-hmm. heard of this. So I, I don't get it. It's a catch-22. I, I think that even when, if they don't see them in theater, maybe just when they see the commercials and tangentially, anecdotally, people talk about it, they feel like they've seen the movie. Whereas when it's streaming, it, it's out of sight, out of mind. That's my only guess on this, because you're not seeing the Hollywood billboards, you're not hearing people going to see the movies. Maybe that's what it is. But I would think in a year like this, or, or maybe this is it. Maybe people waited till the nominations to go, there's so much content. Yeah. I have no idea what's going to be nominated. If I'm not a movie buff like us, 
let me just wait until the nominations come out. Because there are people that I definitely know who say, oh, I just watch all the nominees once they come out. Which, as we know, mm-hmm. is both admirable and crazy. Because admirable that I'm like, oh, hey, I love the Oscars <laughs> as much as you do. And by the way, I do that as well. I see a movie, Africa, it's not only for an Oscar. It gives a little bit of street cred, so to speak. It's embarrassing because it's like, wait, you're going to trust the Academy to tell you what movies are good? Like, I could have told you to go watch <laughs> The Climb. I don't give a damn it to get nominated. That's one of the great, funny yes. movies in the last five years. Hilarious. Who cares if not get nominated? Like, whatever. The Climb is awesome. You should watch it. So... All of which is to say, maybe people waited till March 15th. Okay, so these are the contenders. All right, let me just hit up. Where do I find Nomadland? Where do I find Borat? Okay, and hopefully the next six weeks people watch. But I'll be honest, it's going to be a challenge. The Golden Globes went down by 63%. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the lowest, as you guys know, since the writer's strike. The SAGs saw that number, yelped, and said, okay, let's go from two hours to one hour and let's pre-tape, which is yeah. awful. <laughs> so the Oscars, they're helped by a couple things. It's April 25th. Weather will be nicer in California. They're smart enough to go, let's take a page out of the Grammys. Let's be outside, socially distanced. Mm. At least the acting winners, we're going to be able to see Chadwick Boseman's widow give a speech. That's something good rather than via Zoom. And we can still have the Dolby and still have stuff going on. Probably not a red carpet, but you can do some semblance of that. So listen, the Oscars are better than the Globes. Everyone knows that. Even there are movie people who don't watch but still watch the Oscars. So that's a good news, but I hope people now take it seriously in the next six weeks to watch, but I, I'm not thoroughly convinced of it. I think the ratings are going to be down. We all know that. Right. Hope it's not as big a drop as the Globes. So with that in mind and with this film year in mind and with obviously the craziness that 2020 has been, and, and Mike already alluded to part of this, I mean, part of the reason we've wanted to talk to you for so long and we have been such big fans of yours is that you are at that intersection. You bring all your insight and knowledge of sports and the sports world and fold it into your love of cinema and awards season uh, specifically. Wesley Morris is another such personality that kind of does the same thing. And he was recently yeah. on the Bill Simmons podcast last week. And he said that this slate of movies in 2020 may not have been a top tier film year in terms of award worthy film and that's actually something Mike and I have gone back and forth with a ton both on and off microphone here I'm wondering your opinion on that I mean we are excited as critics to see the slate of nominees that we had but generally and speaking at large you just said you think the Oscars ratings are going to go down again how do you think this film year stacks up in terms of award seasons versus any other or is there maybe one film in particular that you say that would be an Oscar worthy film regardless of whatever year it came out Great question, and I, Wesley Morris is great, so I'm with you guys and, and appreciate what he has to say. I thought last year was really strong because I love The Irishman, I love Paris, and I love 1917. And I think what ends up happening is that year after year, and I found this, I know you guys do the same thing, we do our top 10 lists. I have found over the years, in the past, like 1999, one of the great movie years ever, as you guys know, mm-hmm. I could have top mm-hmm. 20 lists. And now, year after year, my top seven is always really good, and the eight, nine, ten is kind of like, meh. Like, I had One Night Miami at number nine. I'm like, yeah, you know, I liked it. I didn't love it. But I'm like, mm-hmm. no, it's a good movie. Um, mm-hmm. I had Let Him Go, which no one apparently except for me loved, with Kevin Costner and Diane Lane. Yep. I didn't like it number eight because I loved the, the uh, cinematography and the storytelling and Fathers and Sons. And I saw it in a theater, which really helped my appreciation for the movie because sure. mm-hmm. that was when theaters were back. I got to see it in December. I really got wrapped up in that story. Um, but overall, like, if I said to someone, is this year as strong as last year? I'd say no. I don't think it's particularly strong here. But again... It's top heavy. If I look at my best movies, my top five, I feel strong. Those are great films. So Sound of Metal, Minari, The Climb, Nomadland, and Soul, I think are five great movies. You put them up any other year, I'd feel pretty confident about that. But six through ten, as you get into the Ma Rainey's Black Bottoms and, you know, the, the One Night Miami's, 
Um, you know, then, then I think it's not as strong. You can kind of make a case to go, all right, it's a good movie, probably not Oscar caliber, and you can kind of see a, a few holes perhaps in there. So that's what I would say. I would say not as strong a year as last year, specifically, not an overall strong year, but the best are still the best, and hopefully those movies will still get recognized. The surprise for me, and I don't know what you guys thought of Mank, that to me felt like, oh, this will be easily a movie that I love, right? Movie for us, movie lovers, black and yeah. white, Citizen Kane, yeah. and I wasn't swept away from it. So it's been kind of like that. That to me where I thought it would be amazing. I was like, I liked it. I'd never watch it again. Uh, Trial of Chicago 7, Sorkin's brilliant. I'm going to love this movie. What a cast. Oh, my God. You got Rylance and Redmayne and, and Sasha Baron Cohen and um, mm. Jeremy Strong, Michael mm -hmm. Keaton. And again, I liked it. I didn't love it. And I, I was literally rolling my eyes at the end. Yep. God, such a smart guy Aaron Sorkin is. Could, could, could you be any more melodramatic? Like, I, I know you're a genius, but seriously, I, I pull back on the melodrama just a little bit. Like, thank God he didn't get nominated for Best Director. I'm like, if he gets nominated for Best Director for that, what are we doing? So I think it was diluted overall. And you can see that in some of the nominations. I, I wanted to ask you about Mank, and this is something, again, Mike and I have been batting back and forth. Yes, it led the nominations, but we, like you said on your podcast and Cinephile, you expect it to kind of maybe get blanked. It might go one for ten with its nominations. Maybe it only wins production designs, but yeah. it, it, the part of the frustration with Mank for, for both of us is that, yes, we were very excited. It's a Fincher film. It's about the, the history of Citizen Kane. How could that not lend itself with his, the narrative attached to the screenplay, of course, as well? He's honoring his father. If Fincher just made a quote-unquote Fincher movie, is he moonwalking to best picture right now? If, if he made Fight Club, <laughs> if he made even Dragon Tattoo, is this yeah. his year? That's a great point. Like, if he had made Mank more accessible, mm -hmm. I think he'd be in better shape. Yeah, like, if it had a more conventional structure, more of a heroic ending, so to speak, just more of a, a crowd-pleasing feel, like, just by 20%, then I think you're right. I think moonwalking is a hilarious verb to use because you're right. You go, listen, this guy's a great director. Now is his time. One day, Christopher Nolan's going to win an Oscar for not mm -hmm. his best film. We're going to go, God, we didn't reward him for Dunkirk or Memento or The Prestige or whatever, The, the, uh, the Dark Knight. So for Fincher, you're right. When you look at that catalog of movies, you go, okay, I think he's kind of due. Should we just give him one now? But the movie isn't strong enough. And they're going to mm -hmm. you know what? Chloe Jaw is going to be the one to win because Nomadland is the best picture of the year. And it was beautifully shot. The landscape really was its own character, which is why it was so well done. I feel like, yeah, as I said in the pod, and I appreciate you guys listening, I think Manx going to be a film that looks like a juggernaut. You go 10 nominations and ends up getting blanked in a lot of categories, especially the major ones. Even sound, which is amazing. It sounds like a 1930s movie. I think sound and metal sound is much more impressive because what they're mm. doing in terms of having somebody who's hearing impaired, trying Agreed. to hear things yeah. go in and out, et cetera. So, yeah, I think if Fincher had made it a little more accessible, a little more entertaining, a little more crowd-pleasing, uh, he would definitely be the favorite, whereas now he really isn't. So on the one hand, it's kind of a fun season to cover because we talk about the Oscar puzzle theory all the time where the Academy could spread the love and give awards out to a bunch of different films because there's superlatives from here and there and, and a bunch of these cool movies that we like. And there's some badass picks here, uh, like we've said, and there's some, some movies that really hit you emotionally. Of course, Nomadland is looking like that big favorite though right now it's looking like you know from the festivals through the critics awards and we're about to find out with the guilds and the industry if it's going to keep this momentum but with the kind of the way everything's been spread around the favoritism i wonder if that second contender that number one contender is going to rise like you said mank seems to be a nomination juggernaut trial of chicago seven didn't perform as well with the noms. Do, what is that next movie, that number two, uh, that could perhaps 
cause that best picture update uh, uh, upset or do you think Nomadland kind of just keeps going I'm with you that every time you think they're going to cruise they don't like I thought 1917 was a cinch and then Parasite came out of nowhere so I'm with you it is folly to say oh they've been the favorite all along it's a preordained certainty that doesn't always happen we know that so I would watch out for Trial of Chicago 7 only because it is a very actor-heavy piece. And as we know, actor-heavy pieces do well. Look at Crash, famously, should not mm. have won Best Picture. Bowback Mountain's a better movie, but mm. Crash won because it has a lot of actors in it. It's about L.A. So I think Trial of Chicago 7, you go, okay, a lot of actors, a lot of actors the Academy likes, and it's very topical. Freedom of speech, it's very political. We know how politicized America is right now. Sorkin mm. is beloved by them. That's where I get fearful. I go, God, as much as I would be pained, I don't. A trial of Chicago 7, I think, has a puncher's chance. Now, it helps the fact Sorkin did not get nominated for directing. That does help. Only actor nomination was, of course, Sasha Baron Cohen, who I don't think is going to win for supporting actors. So that does hurt its case. But I think Mank, again, it's a little just. Mank, I feel like, you know, when people are doing their votes, and this did help Green Book. Nobody had it number one, but mm-hmm. a lot of people had three and four. I think that'll happen to Mank. So I guess the argument hmm. for Mank could be hmm. through tabulation and compilation of votes, they might be able to win, but I just don't think it has enough industry support. I think it's going to be Nomad Land, but I would rank at Trial of Chicago seven and Mank third. Interesting. All right. Adnan, we cannot, again, thank you. I mean, we'll get you out of here on this question, but just wanted to say once again, thank you so much for, for giving us part of your day and giving us some insight. And yes, this sir. has been an awesome conversation Thanks, uh, for us, really a bucket list type thing. But I, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about combining the worlds of sports and movies uh, since we have you here for a few minutes. So we'll get you out of here on more of an amorphous question about the industry at large, I guess. Uh, Oscars aside, with movies and the the movie world, maybe because of social media, probably because of social media, but because of the movie world being treated more like sports in terms of you're either Team Marvel or Team DCEU. You're either Team Glenn Close or you're Team Olivia Coleman a couple years ago at the Oscars. No matter how general or how niche or specific you want to talk about this fandom being brought down, does fandom in the movie industry, when it parallels sports in that way, create a better industry for the public for the viewing public or do you think it gives rise to more toxicity in the industry it's a great question i think it gives rise to more toxicity because i think just the way the world is right now by the way amazing use of amorphous but i I think the way the world (laughs) is right now is you got to pick sides and in the past you could have a legitimate conversation and go hey you know what glenn close's best work wasn't in the wife but it is a strong performance I did like the way she balanced her character against Jonathan Price's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a, a really feminist picture, which we don't often reward enough. So, you know, I'd like to see her win. I know it's not her best. And Olivia Coleman, well, yeah, okay, the favorite is funny and eccentric and different, but I don't really know her. She's going to suffer a little bit before she wins. Look at Glenn Close, some thumbnails, et cetera. That's what used to happen. Now it just goes, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Glenn Close going to win for the wife? That movie is garbage. No chance she wins. Olivia Coleman, she wins. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. And as you said, Team Marvel, Team DC, as I, of course, am Team Scorsese, which is bashing <laughs> the superhero movies and bashing. <laughs> the streaming services for caring about content rather than film. Like Scorsese's essay about the impact of Fellini was like one of the best things I've ever read. And he was explaining very passionately, hey, thank you to Netflix for giving me The Irishman and giving me all these Oscar nominations and adulation. But I don't like people going on there and finding some algorithm to say, oh, because you like this, you would like that. Like, no, seek out films. I can't tell you, I was so happy. Proud of one of my friends the other day texted me. goes, hey, I just watched The Conversation. What a movie. And I said, you know how proud I am of you? I have 99% of people in my life going, hey, should I watch Firefly Lane? Uh, what's something good to binge? And this guy, like me, goes, you know what? Let me go back and watch a classic I've never seen. And he just dials up the conversation. I wish more 
fewer people did that. You know, during the pandemic, I literally went through my list and go, okay, everyone's got a couple Achilles heels. What do I got to watch? Lawrence of Arabia. Let's do it. It was awesome. It was three hours and 40 minutes. It's an epic film. And yes, I've seen Omar Sharif coming through the desert. Yes, I've seen Peter O'Toole say no prisoners. But now I've seen it from start to finish. Can appreciate its beauty. So I, I think that people get very stuck in their ruts and go, well, I don't watch movies. I'm more about TV shows. TV's never been better. That's true. There's lots of great TV right now. I'll support you on Succession and Better Call Saul and Curb Your Enthusiasm. But mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be TV versus movies, limited series versus uh, streaming services. Why can't it be enjoying a little bit of a potpourri? And I think two times, too many times it's become too antagonistic. And you see that in the Hollywood at large between the major studios and the streamers and just Warner Brothers decision to dump all their stuff on HBO Max. You saw just how irate the artists were. Guys like Denzel Washington, knowing that little things will not get theatrical release. Christopher Nolan's been very outspoken about that. So I think things have become more heated and I get it. People are passionate about it, which I appreciate, but I wish we could coalesce and, and try to get on the same page a little more. One of the best in the business, absolutely no doubt. Adnan Verk, we cannot thank you enough, my, my good friend. Thank you for coming and uh, sharing some insight about Oscars and the uh, movie industry at large. We cannot wait to talk to you again. Mike and Mike, I appreciate it, guys. You guys are great. The Mike and Mike reading, uh, obviously, Golik, and now the new Mike and Mike when it comes to the movies. Good for you guys for doing this. <laughs> and I cannot wait to hear the extra, by the way. I told you about the intro. The extra, I do radio hits in Calgary, and whenever they let me go, they don't hang up right away. So I always listen to see if they say anything about me. Nine times out of ten, they move on and discuss something else. But once in a while, they'll give me a little bit extra. Like, oh, I'd never. What a great guy. I'm like, okay, okay, now I feel better. So I look forward to the intro and extro, and I look forward to talking soon. I, I promise you, we will, we will hype you up like no other. No, you have my guarantee on that i look forward to tweeting too make sure you obviously at me on the twitter that's the most important thing you do these things by the way and then people don't tweet you i know the whole point of this is we got to get it out there so <laughs> yes. make sure you tweet my handle we'll get this out there we absolutely will thank you so much thank for joining you. us buddy all right thanks so much boys take care you too yeah, so no pressure there with Adnan saying he's going to listen to us just to specifically hear how big we <laughs> hype him. No, I, we are, are dead serious. We cannot thank Adnan enough for giving us part of his time. What you heard in the intro, how busy of a man he is and how prolific his resume is. So getting uh, even 20 or so minutes with him to talk and shoot the shit about Oscars nominations, really a dream come true for Mike and I. We're going to mention where to find him and all of his work again in the outro but do make sure you are all following him at adnan s verk a d n a n s v i r k as well as at cinephile pod on twitter and mike just as a means of wrapping up some loose ends with the nominations fallout because adnan brought up some of these already we're going to transition here and just touch on and run down some more reasons for why we're so happy with this slate of the 93rd oscar nominations yeah, we have to, right? Because happy is just not always the mood here at MMO. We have to <laughs> indulge in this feeling, Michael. It's been a long, tough year. We're doing top fives about some wacky stuff. We're watching these new movies. And, you know, some of them, I mean, we've, we've had to dig through a lot of movies this year to find the gems, the gems that we've been talking about recently. And uh, I, I certainly want to keep this good feeling going. And we got a great uh, piece from The Hollywood Reporter to kind of help us with that. And uh, that was entitled Oscars, How the 2021 Nominees Broke Records and Made History. This is from their entire THR staff, Michael. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff, and, and like we said, Adnan touched on some of it kind of in passing in our interview you just heard. Uh, we're going to talk and kind of zero in on just how unique this field of nominees is. Let's start uh, and enjoy this feeling while we still have it, because like you said, Mike, <laughs> this is not something, usually I'm much more angry uh, around this time of year, and I don't know how to react with, with not being having that feeling inside me with this slate of Oscar noms. So let's start uh, with the age. Anthony Hopkins at 83 is the oldest, best lead actor. Actor nom ever. Yeah, well deserved certainly, and we're gonna weigh in on the father some point uh, probably when it comes out on VOD for you guys on March 26th. But uh, great performance by him. And here's the kicker for me, Mike. Like researching Anthony Hopkins a bit lately for that episode, he dances on the internet a lot, and like every week. Yeah, like far, <laughs> like it's a week. Like why don't we do it? He's 83. And we are 30-somethings, and we don't dance at all in our lives, never mind on the internet. We should be ashamed of ourselves. Probably a fair assessment there. Then again, we suck at dancing. No, we're great at dancing. We don't want to say we're, I'm a great dancer. Aren't you a good dancer? I've seen My, you move I, a little bit. I can I, literally, I cannot walk right now. You never might mind get dance. injured. No, right. You might get injured. You have issues but yeah. you, I, I think you can move i think you got some the moves. basis of samuel l jackson's character in glass so well you could do the dancing i don't know if that i'm gonna follow you there i'd get I up i'd move one muscle and i it'd be a sprained ankle and i'd be on the ir <laughs> i think i'm good but i'm probably like in my own brain i'm good but i'm actually like you know the the what was the i want to say kevin heffernan uh, God, that's his, from King of Queens. Just two versions of Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld pointing with our thumbs Here we go. gyrating. Here, we do this every episode, too, people coming up for the first time. What is that Will Smith uh, hitch, right? And who is the, the other comedian in Hitch? Kevin James. Kevin James. I, I call yeah. him Heffernan. That's his like, character <laughs> name from King of Queens. Remember his dancing in Hitch? That's probably me. Yeah. When, yeah. If, if somebody videotaped, yeah, I'm a gif. I'm one of those gifs that people used to make fun of anyway anthony hopkins is not uh, a silly ironic gift that man can still dance at 83 mike and speaking of more uh, 80 plus year olds being oscar noms costume designer ann roth at 89 years old that's the oldest costume designer ever nominated for her work in ma rainey's black bottom unbelievable we we got to do more with our lives <laughs> adnan's got 37 different jobs ann roth has had 128 imd credits IMDb credits for christ's sake uh and she's 89 and doing the costumes for my rainy unbelievable that is absolutely crazy and well earned because of the work in Ma Rainey, I would say, as well. Uh, you heard Adnan touch on this. Chadwick Boseman is going to be the seventh posthumous acting nomination, Michael. Yeah, hopefully he'll become the third posthumous acting winner, too, after Peter Finch of Network and Heath Ledger of The Dark Knight. We think, we hope that's a runaway mm. train that that's going to happen. But, you know, hey, Anthony Hopkins was pretty damn good in The Father, so you never know, but... Uh, yeah, it's, it's a loaded race this year. Riz Ahmed winning all the critical awards. Yeah, best actor. What what a category. We've said it a couple times. Actor and lead actress. Great categories this year. Absolutely great categories. But man, I mean, that's already that. It has to happen, listening right? to his widow has been moments of the oh night of the last couple awards show, and to have that stage to to watch her and listen to her and the strength she puts forward on the Oscars stage. I think that's just. I mean, I'm already. I, I, I can feel myself getting like my chest tightening thinking about right. it. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to be able to hold it together if and that happens. When that God, happens, 
and think about the Gotham Awards when the, yeah. th- that was a terrible broadcast. It was a nightmare. Yeah. And she saved it. She saved it Absolutely. with the greatest speech we've ever heard until we heard her next one. It's it's remarkable. We did talk about this already. We have two female director nominees after only five female directing nominees previously in all of Oscar's history. We've never, and this is quite shameful of the Academy, and it's one of the things we've kind of been on the soapbox about in previous years, we've never had two women nominated in the same year in this category. But channel more of the happy here, Michael, because it did happen this year, right? I mean, look, we got two women in here this year. It's proper. Women made some of the best films of the year. Women probably made more of the best films of the year, as we've chronicled throughout. So life is better, Mike. Better. Better is better. Well, and there has been, you know, thank God we're making progress, but what the hell took so long in that kind of aspect? There has been more of a shift towards women directors making a higher percentage of the highest grossing movies of the year as well. That annual list that uh, the USC film school always puts out and keeps up with in terms of that aspect. So there is some form of progress being made, but good God, it's 2021. Why is it taking until now to do it? Oh, it's all that type of, but yes, let's rejoice for this history being made. And it could have been three women in the category this year. We were hoping it would be right. No question. Uh, It's been a systemic issue since we started Mm -hmm. covering this this uh, award show, but also the industry back in 2017, late 2017 there, Mike, and the Me Too, Me Too movement was just hitting. And I remember those episodes talking about the mm-hmm. industry kind of lamenting. It was a very different feel back then. Yeah. This is some progress here when those lists are starting to change. Like you said, the USC box office list, you got to follow the money. You got to, we, we always call that out as a, as a principal from all the president's men as something that works in the industry. And of course, no surprise, female directed films are making a ton of money this year and in and, and years past. So this has uh, got to be a trend we continue. It can't just be a pandemic year thing. Yeah, and let's keep the momentum going on this because we did, in fact, get a record number of nominations this year for women. We had 76 female nominations dispersed amongst 70 different women in this field of noms. And two of those go to Frances McDormand, who is now the third woman ever to receive an acting and a producer's nomination mm-hmm. for Nomadland. So again, Mike, what took them so long, as we always say, but still, it, it, you mentioned it. We we do have to rejoice for this. It, it happened, and we, we got women up and down the card. It's something to celebrate. Absolutely. Uh, as far as more embracing diversity, as it seems like the Academy has this year, we have our first Muslim and first Asian performers in the Best Actor category. Those, of course, being Riz Ahmed and Steven Yoon from Sound of Metal and Minari, respectively. And more specifically, we had our first Korean actors nominated with Yoon Ya-jung and Steven Yoon both making nomination as well. And it's not like it came out of left field. I mean, we predicted this. This yeah. was happening. And uh, good on them. It happened. Awesome. So it wasn't just a matter of some of our favorite films getting nominated. It was truly an Oscar nomination Monday worth celebrating. That's this, this diversity, this this kind of colorful palette of nominees up and down the card is why we're part of the reason we feel so happy. It's not just because, oh, we think they hit right on the quote unquote right films and that subjective. It, we, they got the right performances. They got the right noms pretty much in every major category and every up and down the line category, Mike. So, you know, maybe we're not giving George Clooney speeches here. Maybe we actually have legitimate reasons to be happy about what the Academy did with this slate of nominees. And if you were trying to find a reason why, one of the first questions we asked Adnan 
was why this happened. He gave us some beautiful insight as to the reasons why this may have been possible. And I think it is a reason in the year to celebrate. And saving the, the most poignant for last here, Viola Davis becomes the most nominated black actress in history. Leslie Odom Jr. becomes the first man to receive acting and song nominations in the same year. And as Adnan mentioned there, Mike Judas and the Black Messiah becomes the first all-black produced film to get nominated for Best Picture. So after the year that black Americans have had, mm-hmm. it, it is it really is something to rejoice that we do have more representation than than a while and yeah it's not time for the george clooney speech especially from guys whiter than george like us <laughs> we are very white but it, it it is something to be happy about and the work is speaks for itself the work speaks for itself so if you haven't watched these movies yet go watch them they're damn good Yes, absolutely. That's kind of the most important underlying uh, aspect of this as we get into our outro here. Again, no pressure in the outro, seeing as Adnan is sure to be listening to this part. But in all seriousness, (laughs) we cannot thank I mean, we we know how busy we don't go over his resume just for fun. The guy is truly he's he's like the Ryan Seacrest of this part of the industry and the sports world. So having him join us for the little bit of time he did means the world to us. Uh, The fact that you could see why and how, you know, gregarious and how charming he is, why we have been fans of his for so long. Uh, So we thank him so much for giving us a part of his time today. Uh, Someone we follow religiously. And he's the kind of pro, honestly, that inspires us and we look up to in this crazy business and trying to find a way as we so often do to mold and meld the world of sports in with this kind of theater person world of <laughs> industry of film the that Jackson is in the theater kids it's such the a tough table. tightrope we're to both. walk and if anybody does it successfully adnan does yeah we're both we're both the theater kids we're both yeah the Jack- well maybe we're the sports nerd the statisticians but we were forced to play sports <laughs> as kids and therefore we, we think we're jocks but that's probably not the correct way to talk about ourselves anyway <laughs> we certainly we certainly uh love everything adnan verk is doing do follow him at adnan s verk uh and at cinephile pod on twitter seek out all of his sports coverage he's talking football on the gm shuffle with michael lombardi he's on sirius xm radio with that mlb network show and he's on the nhl network the zone uh for hockey and fight game programs respectively there michael and yes of course Look, I mean, it make Cinephile a, a part of your every week. If you love yeah. movie podcasts, if you love movie talk, if you love, you know, talk radio pros, you know, doing movie talk podcasts. I mean, there's nobody better than Adnan Burke. He is certainly someone we look up to. Absolutely, no doubt. And as for us, dear listener, uh, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns you would like to forward us about anything you heard in this episode, in our conversation with Adnan today, or or anything we talk about here in the MMO Empire, uh, we ask that you please leave us those on our social medias. You can reach us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including in a especially the Apple Podcast app, where if you happen to be listening to us on said app today, if you would tap on our cartoon faces, go into the app and leave us a five-star review if you appreciate what we do here. That would truly make our day. We thank each and every one of you who have found the time to do that. Michael, uh, good episode today. More good episodes on the horizon as we are in the midst of this Oscar sprint. Tell the good people what's coming next, and let's close on some words of wisdom. 
So we'll react to the Guild Awards happening in the next coming uh, few weeks, Michael. We have the WGA and Producers Guilds uh, next week. We have the Directors after that. And then the Screen Actors Guild uh, in early April before the BAFTAs. So this turns from a critical season in terms of the critics choosing awards to the guilds, to the industry picking their winners. And we'll see how things go on uh, right now and how the race morphs or amorphs no i didn't you used it properly during the adnan talk i did not it's morphin time as the power rangers would say morphin time my god you're <laughs> dating us all right look guys stay tuned for more guests as we will break down all of these oscar races individually as well at least all of the big races we love our category overview podcast season and from best picture on down the card we will have those episodes so stay tuned there otherwise words of wisdom i'm going to quote one of my favorite movies today remember red hope is a good thing maybe the best of things and no good thing ever dies how about that mike some men just want to watch the world burn guys (laughs) You can't even, you have to go over the top. You just can't let the nice thing settle. This is why we're not happy enough, folks. Now you see. Now you. When reality sucks, you can come uh, talk to these awesome guests and review the Oscar noms with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See you.